You got into your top school. Yes. That's awesome. As long as they cover your legs, it's fine. I was a gymnast for 15 years. And then the police come, and they're like, they're completely animalistic. Everyone, welcome to the Big Man's Cabana. I am your host, Matthew J. Lapore, and I am on with a good friend of mine who is, uh, as, I say, as I say all the time, with these connoisseurs of everything. Not only are you uh, in school, and you're at where right now for your master's? I'm at UConn. You're at UConn still. Okay. And you're doing that. You're doing sports medicine. It's not kinesiology. It's, um, it's kinesiology. It is kinesiology. And then uh, on top of that, you're back home, and you're not just taking the high road and just relaxing, and you're working yeah. almost every day as a uh, as a one of the, one of the uh, top servers we have at Creekside and killing it and uh, dealing with all the, um, the fun, as we say there. Yes. So... Um, as you guys see, the setup's a little bit different. Um, probably about you guys are gonna see this on a Wednesday, but uh, on this Monday, we just got these chairs, the whole new setup. So this place is gonna look a little different in the next couple weeks. So hopefully you guys like it. And if you don't, suka la mink. Now, Kayla, when I asked you to be on here, you're a little nervous. You seem pretty chill now. Yeah. Cool. Good. See, it's just you and me. Couple microphones. So let's talk about school. When you were leaving high school, you were at Springford, right? We graduated yeah. together. What was your main focus? Did you always want to go in, into kinesiology, or is it just something that you were like, oh, I'll try this out, and we'll see where it goes? No, I always wanted to do athletic training. Um, I was a gymnast for 15 years, and I was heading to Rockport to continue my gymnastics career, and I knew I wanted to be involved in the sports world because sure. it's all I've ever known. Yeah. Like, why would you leave it? And I always knew that I liked – biology and science and I took yeah. anatomy and physiology uh, I believe in my senior year and I absolutely loved it as you know com- constantly got good grades in that class and I loved the material so I knew I wanted to do something like that and I don't really remember like looking into careers that matched the two but I remember looking on the like website and undergrad majors yeah. and that's how I found athletic training I was like oh this is really cool so was was UConn a top choice, or is this like a place where? Because I know a lot of kids will like look. Okay, this is great for teaching. This is great for um, football. This is great for you know whatever they're doing, right? Yeah. Did you do that, or is it just something that you were like, oh, I know they have a decent program. I should go there. Oh no, it was definitely the pedigree of UConn. Okay. Um, they have the Corey Stringer Institute there, where they study heat illness. It's like Jeez. basically the father of heat illness um, research is there, Dr. Casa. And so you know that, like, that is a very good program to go and learn from. So wow. when I looked into grad schools, I definitely ranked them based on the pedigree of, you know, research that's done there. And I think I had uh, three schools that are the top of my list. And UConn definitely was uh, out on top. So so that was your so – so you got into your top school? Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. So what was it like – we'll go to your freshman year, right? You're, you're coming out of spring four. You're all excited – it's it's completely new and you're not and it's not home either. You're no. how how far are you from here? Rochester, New York, so yeah. it was uh, five and a half hours. Yeah. How was that different than here? I would say it, it was definitely something to get used to. Okay. Um, yeah. it was definitely a new environment, and I I knew no one because it was a smaller school, and I mean I was kind of excited about that because I you know you you'd gotten done with the sure. two years here and you were ready to get out and. Uh, you know, try some new experiences, and it was really, really awesome because I met my first, my best friend on the very first day, and <laughs> yeah, so it was definitely very exciting to kind of, um, I don't know, like, 
get into new routines and find new ways to like have fun. Like, you know, here it was, you know, you go see a movie. Here you go yeah. and hang out at the park. Small town. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, in college it was meeting people from different towns and what they used to That's do. That's awesome. Well. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Was hearing how big that their high schools were. Because I, I told people, like, we graduated about 600 people. Yeah. Schools up there are, like, 200 less. My best friend went to school with 20 people. See, that was one thing that I, like, like no matter where you go, people are like, oh, where, where are you from? Like, oh, I'm from, like, Wordswood area, Collegeville. And, like, oh, cool. Like, they were, they were at Springfield. And I'm like, no, 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 Spring Forward was one I, I went to. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, And I'm like, yeah, dude, my class was insane. Like, we, we and then we broke the record at one point. And it just it keeps getting broke every year. And they're like, how many? I'm like, six, seven hundred something. And they're like, yeah, my graduating class was like a hundred kids. Yeah. Like, I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's funny. And then it was a state school. So a lot of the people there were from New York. So they had an idea of like the other towns that were somewhat close. You could drive to them for a weekend and have some fun. Yeah. So it was really interesting to learn about like what everyone else from a different state thought of as fun to do. Like we, we went to a, a G-E-Z concert at um, – so G Easy. Yeah, <laughs> we skipped our uh, our orientation. We went to see G Easy. <laughs> yeah, and uh. Dude, you should have went to Olean. Huh? You should have went to Olean, and checked out the knives. No. You should have went. Oh my gosh, I was such a good kid. Gavin, I talked about that last night, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I mean, they're still good knives. Like my mom still they're likes to use knives. them, but I I tell her like I'm not helping you with anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I need to send them in and get sharpened. I'm like, great. Go ahead and do Figure that. it out. I'm no longer a rep. Nope. Have her call Ben Finch. Oh, God. He doesn't answer my phone calls anymore. Neither mine. And yeah. I asked him a question about something and he refused to answer. Wasn't that uh, because of like the taxes or something like that? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Because you called I got, me. I got a tax form addressed to him, but my address on it. Yeah. And I, that's what I had to call him about. Because I was like, why do I have your tax form? Like, he would not answer. I was like, dude, this is government. Like, can you not come into my door, please? Oh. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with it. Dude, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't know it was that deep. I just know you were calling around, and then, like, you're calling me. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to help you. Nope. But, um, so you skipped orientation. Yeah. Go to a G-Easy concert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you never went to college orientation? No. Oh, my God. Up, like, I know. I know. Break yourself. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. So going into your sophomore year now, you've had your first year. You really got to see kind of – you're probably doing gen eds, so nothing crazy. Maybe one class is um, relative, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now that you're, like, kind of getting to the uh, – the uh, what do they say? Uh, the meat and potatoes yeah. of, of, like, your, your work. Did, was this something that you were like, dude, this, this is it. This is what I had in mind. Yeah, absolutely. So sophomore year was the year that I interviewed for – the athletic training program so okay that was at my my college um we took the gen eds like you say and it was an introductory class that was the weed out class for uh, okay. the program yes and there were two sections of it so about 40 people and you needed to get an a in the class in order to qualify for an interview so that was oh number one. yes number two you had to pass the final okay and then you would get invited to an interview and i think about 20 or so people meet you in an interview so, yeah, I'm not sure what the work ethic was in the other two sections, but I know my section was very competitive. Like, we all, like, 
you know, secretly talk about our test grades, and our, our professor would email them to us and be like, there's how many people got an A, B, and C. Just a reminder, this is how you drop the class if you don't think you can do this. So she was very intimidating, that professor. Well, I mean, there yeah. there, there are studies out there. I know Stanford did a big one. It was, um, I forget what the control group was, but I think, I think it was just like, it was like 10 random, like just 10 kids, and I think it was zoology. I know like Jason said like that's a big weed out course for them. I'm pretty sure it was zoology. But then they had two other groups. One group was just, you know, kids who were, you know, average kids or whatever it is. And you had these these kids who were just super like insane. But then what yeah. they would do is they would put like three kids to put like average or like C's or B's in those group. And they found that the the kids that were in the the higher control group, they were doing well. They're doing they're getting A's. Yeah. Then the kids that were in the, in the lowering group with one or two kids that are that excel they found that those kids are they're, they're slowly diminishing but then they're also talking to the other group and then the other regular control group was just a control group yeah yeah Interesting. yeah so there's, there's things like that where it is funny to see you have one group that will do great and one group that won't yeah. but then there's some of the outliers that want will, will talk to your group instead of their own mm-hmm. yeah yeah and our possession was the first night since like 8 a.m like we were like the get up and go getters, so it was like I Ugh. think that might have been why. Dude, eight a.m. Yeah. I didn't mind. It kept you on a schedule. Yeah. To be honest, because like I really craved that schedule from high school. I know everyone talks about how like, oh my god, we got up at like the crack of dawn, we got to school at seven, you started seven classes, and you had to, like a thirty minute lunch break, and then you had practice for four hours, and you go home, and you had some other actual after school activity, and then you had homework. And I remember like that's how it was. I was I know. going to bed at like I midnight know. after getting her done practice and getting home. And, so and it's like, how yep. did we function like this? No wonder I was so fucking tired in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get up at 6 a.m. to go to class. Yep. And now, like, I still crave that schedule because I get up in the morning, I get my shit done, and then I have the afternoon to either get homework done, go hang out with friends, or, you know, when I wasn't doing this, I still had practice. Or at this point, like, I work out. So, like, I like that schedule. So, like, I keep doing that. It is really weird to, like, look back and see all that kind of stuff because um, even with, like, a structured schedule, it's, like, in high school, I feel things were very, like, pinpointed. Like, I knew exactly where I was going to be like, in six months. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you knew you had football. Then you knew you had wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, like, in six months, I'm like, oh, man, I don't, like, I have to check the calendar or whatever it is. But. Yeah. So when did you start working with the sports teams when you were at UConn? So we, when I was at UConn, we started um, in August. Okay. Actually, like, I started before school started. We had week one. Okay. Yeah. And you were working with football? I'm working with multiple, multiple teams. So which ones? In the fall, I was working with a little bit of men's soccer, as well as, who else was I working with? Uh, women's soccer, of course. Um, baseball had fall ball. And then field hockey, a little bit. Got a little bit in field hockey. And dabbled a bit in volleyball. Okay. So what was it like working like with your peers? So, you know, this girl who's an like, insane athlete, and you're now in charge of, like, okay, I have to watch her, make sure she's okay. Like, I'm learning from her body, essentially. So how was that, that transition with your working on your peers? So it's great because you can relate to them, and you feel like that they can, you know, tell you something that they probably wouldn't tell, like, another older Because you're, you're a peer. Yeah, yeah, because you're a peer. They feel like they can say, like, oh, yeah, like, today walking around when we were walking around you know whatever the quad my leg really hurt or you know last night's practice I know you were there like this and this really hurt but I don't know if they would have been able to relate to an older professional 
so I have noticed it's like it's a lot easier to talk to them and it's like more of a casual conversation it's like hey man how you doing yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. like this hurts today but you know I was hanging out with buddies and we were walking downstairs and my ankle really really hurt Mm. you know it's it's a lot better so I'm really trying to take advantage of that and make sure that I can really make those connections with my athletes and feel like they can trust me on a professional standpoint but also relate to me on you know a personal standpoint you can be you know friends you can trust me in letting me know what's going on with you so that I can help you that's cool so have you ever had a situation where it was you were up you had to go help someone yes absolutely I uh I had an athlete that had a mental health emergency Mm -hmm. and to be a, a first year a new grad handling that it was a lot but I was really you know grateful that she was able to trust in me what was going on with her and ask for my help oh I see what you're saying yeah Yeah. even if I may not have known confidently yeah who to go to or who to send her to if I like I didn't know the professionals personally I hadn't met them in person yet yeah um but I knew that she had to go talk to them so I was able to support her and encouraging her to go talk to them even if I didn't know who she was going to see because I knew that that's you know who what i have to do to help her so how was that 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 sounds like a very like um delicate situation mm-hmm. now you still being in school you're still learning the ropes and a lot of this yeah. stuff how was that was that was that like a lot of pressure or did you consult somebody it definitely was a lot of pressure and i definitely did consult my boss mm-hmm. who helped me through that and she definitely encouraged me afterward and letting me know that i did the right things that i said the right things and that we really did help her and i i could see that because she did come back to me numerous times throughout the year to update me on how she's doing, whether or not it's positive or negative, and ask for more help. Yeah. So I knew that what I did and what I said made a difference. And it felt great to know that it made a difference because when you're in a caretaking profession, yeah. it's really important to know that what you're doing is making a difference, even if you don't Correct. see it immediately. That can be really it's encouraging a nugget, dude. us to like continue doing it and yeah. have a passion for it. Because it is working in a sense, even if you can't physically see it, because mental health emergencies, mental health, mental illness is not visible. Obviously, even if you know a physical injury is visible, you can't see the muscle fibers healing. Yeah. You can't see like the bone healing, but you know it's working. Yeah. So you have to have the same mindset when it comes to your mental health. So I was really happy that I was able to help her, and I saw her at the end of the year, um, a couple weeks ago before I cry. I was close. Ah, uh, see, I knew it. Yeah. Last check in, and before she went home, and I could see she was so much happier, and she was so much better, and I was just so happy that she was able to make, you know, so many leaps and bounds. And in her freshman year, she was a freshman, yeah. so I was so so proud of her, and I really hope that when I see her again in the fall, that she's that much better. That's awesome. Yeah. So has is is mental health along with these sports? Is that is that a big thing that, that a lot of these like athletes deal with? Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I've noticed it in quite a few of my athletes. A class this year actually called behavioral health with my thesis advisor, and it was an amazing class. We talked about all the different mental health um, conditions that you could see in an athlete, how they relate to athletes specifically. Yeah. But then I also figured out how you can relate to them, relate them to everyday life and just normal people, okay. and how important it is. And I was writing like paragraph to week discussion posts. I know everyone hates on discussion posts, but I <laughs> yeah, respond. <laughs> You're the one. I hope you. I hope you understand. You're that person. No one responds to. Yeah, I was. I was because I wrote paragraphs. Yeah. I wanted to read it all, but I. 
it, for me, it was really great because I could see what it meant. Yeah. And it was really it was different because I was the only one in that class who was working professionally. I was oh, okay. taking this as a professional. These other kids in class were students, so they hadn't been working as long as I have. Uh, okay, I understand. Perspective, but sure. it's totally true. And yeah. they will get that, and I hope that they think back to this class and relate that. That's just crazy. I just remember sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> click, Kayla's okay. Re- nope. Uh-huh. Oh, I really like what you said there. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I said the professionals don't listen. Yeah, yeah. I know. People, pe- people, people will just go in and be like, all right, this one's pretty short. Yeah. Glance over this, respond to two people. But trust me, I've seen people. I've, I've seen you those. Did some throwaway classes, but I knew that this class was important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I respect I that. Really excited about that. So yeah. now I guess the opposite question is when it comes to you guys, you guys are taking care of them mm-hmm. all the time. You're watching, you're sitting there for hours. Sometimes something happens. Maybe you're just there. And now that it's a waste, I'm just saying, like, you just spend two, three hours. Just doing nothing, just making sure, just watching, being vigilant. And sometimes you got to check on the people that check on you. So how does that mental health aspect work with you guys? So that's a currently developing curriculum opportunity. That's mm. actually what my thesis is on, is looking at the mental health of okay. caretakers. So it's new in in the research world, but we have discovered that, you know, they're not thinking about their mental health as much. A lot of, you know, the the research that I'm doing in my literature review are showing that, like, nurses and social workers and personal caretakers, mm-hmm. like, everyday, you know, people taking care of their moms. Especially now. nurses, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Social workers, they're, they all experience what we call compassion fatigue. And it's when you're giving so much from yourself and your knowledge and what you know, and you're trying to help this person, and you don't see an immediate response. So like I said, with athletic training, we see the response that they're able to balance better on their sprained ankle. They're able to, you know, throw farther, even yeah. though they had just had labral surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you see those yeah. increases in their progression. But when you don't, when you have people in intensive care units where you have children in social worker situations where they're they're just getting the shit out of the stick and they're not getting yeah, those, what they deserve. It's those social workers. Hard. You ever, you ever like see those like wild stories? Yeah. Yeah. You ever read about them? Dude, they're brutal. They are. They are brutal. They are. And to the point where like, you know, I'm starting to think about my future, my family, what I want, and it breaks my heart to know that like kids are not being loved and cared for the way that they deserve. And it's like. And what's what's so sad is it's all too often. Yeah. I don't know the statistic. I saw it a little bit ago, but I don't want to say because I just I don't know the exact off the top of my head or the source. Um. But it's 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 a ridiculous amount, and like you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of like Section Eight houses, and, and a lot of like even even in areas like like Collegeville, you wouldn't think sometimes, or it, it happens a lot, and it's it's sad because a lot of these kids, you 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 usually get two kinds of kids. You get the kids who come out of it, right, and they can function as a human being, they can get a job, they can go to college, whatever it is. But then you also have the 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 friend of the sick, where it's the complete opposite. Yeah, they're repeating the same cycles and i think that's i'm I'm glad you you brought that up because that uh it's called compassion fatigue right yes yeah when you're dealing with something like that you want you're very passionate about it but i mean like how many stories how many things can you hear and see until it like weighs on you start you start to experience the feelings of like they're surviving oh really yes it's almost like they're really 
questions and these validating scales or asking, you know, do you have the same dreams that you, your patients are describing about the trauma that they have, or do you, do you feel the same symptoms? You know, and that's in a summarized sense, of course, they, they ask that much more specific way, but yes, that, that's in fact the same, that they start to experience the same trauma they're trying to help these people with, oh or the goodness. symptoms of the trauma. So it's not it's not transferring. It's just is it almost like mirroring? Mirroring, yes. yeah. Yes. I'm gonna think of the word. Um, yes. that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It's never it's thought. Interesting. It's never been studied in athletic training, which is is interesting. But it's I think become more prevalent with the unfortunate situation that happened in Kimball Campbell. It's showing like these people are we're doing CPR on these people in rare but unfortunate cases, and think about like he's going to be the keynote speaker that athletic trainer is going to be the keynote speaker at the nica convention in oh nice okay yeah, yeah. so i'm going to go i'm going to hear about you know oh you're oh nice yeah. okay yeah. go you yeah i should pop off dude yeah Thanks. go you yeah but it's like you know you, you do have to wonder how did he feel immediately after knowing he just did cpr for nine or so minutes i believe it was waiting for the ambulance to get ready put him on the stretcher take him to the hospital and you're just sitting there thinking, like, this is going to make it. It, it, it yeah. sounds to as real as that. And it's, it's scary to think about. I never thought about that. Yeah. I, I do know that CPR doesn't have a great success rate either. And yeah, and people true. people don't know that. I, I learned that. Um, dude, I might have been in Boy Scouts. Because, yeah. um, like, you do you, you learn, like, CPR. And, like, you'll take, like, merit badges and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think we were taught it in health classes. Yeah. That, yes, yes, yes. Um. But I, and I know it was it was like it was like, I don't remember the statistic again, so I don't want to say it. But um, it's it's not as high as you think, yeah. and it's it's kind of scary because you know oh this one's passed on the floor right like like if I'm passed out you're gonna try to do your best you know what I'm saying, and it's harder than you think too. No, yeah. and, trust me, I know. We were like in our athletic training program, they took us in New York to this place called Sports Medicine Concepts, which is mm. awesome. They create like real life situations with mannequins with the sound, like the ch the cheers from the crowd and everything. And they had this really cool mannequin that showed the depth and the force of the CPR that you were giving to this mannequin to show you if it was being effective or not. It is a lot harder than you think yeah. to actually, you know, do it correctly mm -hmm. the way that you're supposed to. And for yeah. at least 30 seconds before you switch off with, if you have a partner that's CPR trained, it can switch off with you. You're by yourself. You're you're on your own, you dude. That's right that's time. scary because we had to yeah. do it for the when I when I was um when I was in a uh a, a assistant group supervisor at the Y like I worked with the kids all the time. You got to be CBR trained. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm tired, but we didn't have anything fancy like that. Like that blows my mind. Yeah. And they're like explaining like that's why you're like two people you just need to do this so you can switch off. I I mean I can't imagine doing that for nine minutes. Yeah. And. I mean, I imagine they switched off, and they had a whole oh. team there with the whole building. Okay, I didn't think about that, yeah. They likely did, but I, I don't know. I didn't watch the video that closely. Of course, it, they have the teams crowding around for support as well, so you can't really show, like, how closely they are working through this. I, I wonder if that's what he's going to talk about when we get to the convention, which is we're going to go through the details in athletic training-specific, you know, language, <laughs> and, you know, how they handled this emergency action plan, because, of course, it's practice. Yeah. You have a bunch of medical personnel there that are all meet before the game starts, and you say, like, all right, this is the person you go call if you need this. This is the person you go get if you need this. This person's going to be here, and here's what we do if this happens. 
this person's going to go out, this person's going to get the radio, this person's going to get the AED, and this is how we get the money. Yeah. Holy shit. So a lock that's wild. No, I, and, the, and I'm, I mean, you're dealing with lives, which is, that's crazy. Yeah. Dude, I'm learning so much stuff. When I, when I had Jimmy on, I realized how much of an idiot I am. And then now sitting with you, I'm also realizing how much of an idiot I am. But no, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's just, it's just funny because I never would have thought of that. Um, and, I, and I know the Hamlet thing was wild. That was, what, what happened exactly? I forget what it was. Um, it was commotion of cortis. Right. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. it's actually a very rare condition in which the timing has to be perfect. It's literally a 10 millisecond window that a blunt force trauma, so the helmet, has to strike the chest and it stops the heart rhythm or interrupts it. It doesn't stop it completely, but it interrupts it and the electrical signals all get all wacky for, you know, simpler terms. But yeah, and you have to essentially restart the heart to get the electrical signals to return to their normal rhythm. And you have three minutes to restart the heart. And that's, that's the research I've found. Because it was interesting, coincidentally, I was studying commercial cortis specifically in my class with Dr. Casa when that happened. Wow. So I was like, okay, so this incredibly rare phenomenon, and age, too. This normally doesn't yeah. happen in anyone older than eight. So I think, so I didn't, obviously, I don't know what happened. And then, I'm, of course, you know, your Facebook sleuths and your Instagram sleuths. And that's when I first saw that. I had no clue what that was. I never heard of it. I would never understand what it is. So I did my research and started looking it up, and it happens for well, it was older people between the ages of um. You have to help me out here, but it I know everyone was saying he was so young, he was so young, and it yeah. and, and it really ever happens so around that age. Happens in children. I thought it was older. 18. It can happen in older. It's because of the maturity of the bone structure. Oh, so children I was on the wrong end of that. Really that mature. Okay. People, it is weakening, so it's possible. Yes. But him being in his early mid twenties, yeah, right, just twenty, yeah, twenty three, twenty four, yeah, mature and strong enough that it likely was. Oh, I thought it was the way around. Okay. Circumstance. Okay. Right? It's like a, what do they call it? Like a, the perfect storm. Yeah. You know, of all these things that have to go wrong at the same time for this to happen. Yeah. And you think about yeah. like the NFL has so much money in injury prevention research that their chest protectors have to be like. Some of the best in the market, yeah. if not the best in the market. So again, it's still just the this clusterfuck of, you know, the worst circumstances of the helmet in the right place, the right timing in the. And there probably could have been anything to prevent that, could there be? No. Yeah. Unfortunately, not, because you you really can't, you know, sense that that's going to happen. Yeah. So you really just have to, the only prevention you really can do is the added, you know, layer of protection in the chest protector and the helmet and the material that's made out of. You can do all that, but if the timing is right, and they even have those blades on their pads. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. dude, that's crazy. That that was one of the wildest stories. Cause I remember, I didn't really know too much about him, um, so I only follow football so much. Yeah. And I opened Instagram, and yeah. that's all I saw. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, just texted me and said, "Hey, did you see what? Actually, it was my mom that texted me and said, "Hey, did you see what happened to this dope player?" No, I, I don't really watch dope games. Sorry, I know I lived in Rochester, but yeah, I you know I didn't really watch it. And I saw the video, and I was like, oh my god! Yeah. And you know this because it happens so often in younger kids. That's why we're really trying to push that youth teams and high schools need athletic trainers because, like I said, you have three minutes to restart the heart. 
you're not going to get an ambulance out to your field because you yeah. could leak field in three minutes yeah. if this happens. And those kids aren't wearing chest protectors like it can happen. It's most likely in, you know, baseball catchers, softball catchers, um, pitchers if it goes that way. It's, it's rare, but it can happen. And, of course, football and contact sports, lacrosse. Yeah very often because their chest protection yeah. horrible. Yeah. Let me tell you. Those are like foam and plastic. Nothing really, else. Really? That's it? Lacrosse? Those things hurt. Oh, yeah. Lacrosse balls? You ever been hit by one of them? Yeah. Dude, they, they hurt. hurt. They, they hurt. hurt. Sometimes they get slanted. Yeah. Have you seen their, the equipment they wear? It's next to nothing. No, I've never. It's a different breed. Like, they don't want to protect anything. They're yeah. like. Well, they can run around a lot easier. Run, run around a lot easier. Yeah. 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 True. But it's it can happen so often. It's so scary. So we really need parents to be aware that, like, hey, your kid has the risk here to be injured. They need someone who's medically trained to start CPR, knows what to look for, signs and symptoms, and can identify what the condition is and how to fix it and how to get someone else out here to transfer them to a hospital or a medical facility that can help them recover even farther. Okay. But the immediate treatment, the immediate care is what's most important. I see. So... I coached the like the Springfield youth, right? Yeah. So there really isn't athletic trainers running around there. Yeah. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. I've asked Nathan. He's like, yeah, we just had the parents call. I'm like, mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah. So would you say that there should be some kind of training that these coaches or young men and women should have? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. If anything, you guys should definitely be CPR certified. If you're not, if all of you are not, you all should be. Yeah. Just in case. You never know who can have That's it. true. That's very person. true. That doesn't mean a person has to go pick up their kid, Has they're sick, they're not going to be there. Then you have no one there that's CPR certified. You need everyone to be there. Yeah. And, you know, if you can, I would reach out maybe to, like, the fire departments and see if they can give you, like, tips and tricks on how to stabilize a situation until you can get someone there. You know, that's going to be a bad idea, too. You could reach out to Ken at the fire chief. He probably, yeah. What I really love about my profession is that we're – a cohesive team. Yeah. You know, like I said, we have these team meetings. In the beginning of the season, we meet with the local fire department and the police department. We go through our plan. We, we talk about, okay, like, if we have to call you, this is where we tell you we're going to be. This is where the gate is going to be open for you to come in. It's going to be this gate every single time. We're going to make sure that this gate's clear. No one's allowed to stand here. This is where you're going to pull your truck in. This is where I'm going to meet you. And this is where every AEP awesome. is in the building. Yeah. We talk about all of it. There's so much planning that goes on behind the scenes. I know normally – they just see athletic trainers as people on the sidelines with a water bottle. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not even trying to be mean. It's just, yeah. 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 You're right. But hydration is an important aspect. Agreed. There's so Agreed. much more that we are trained for and ready for behind the scenes. And we pray every day that it never happens. And, you know, we want to stay away from the boring days. Because that means that everyone's okay. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But we are ready for the days where shit hits the fan. And we have to do our jobs. Yeah. That's so. just. I remember very specifically. And I will never in my life ever forget this so you remember back in high school on the football field now all of us are standing like some of the offense were standing like the opposite 20 right mm-hmm. do you remember toby poet at all the name sounds familiar he was, he was like one or two years older than us i think two doesn't matter um the kickoff happens he's running and he's a big boy mm-hmm. but he was also a very athletic boy so they put him on the uh, on the kickoff team and as they go out i guess he went to go tackle someone missed and he rolled into the tibia and fibula. And it, this wasn't like a like he broke it. Mm-hmm. We heard crack. Like yeah. It was loud. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see this kid like holding his leg in its compound. Yeah. And it's out. 
And I'll never forget that turning around thing. I I heard someone's helmet, but it wasn't someone's helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And then later that game, this is going to sound so messed up. He took both their quarterbacks out, too, because he hit them so hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, he, he took out one. He took out one. The other one, they were scared. Oh, man. Because he, he, he heard them, but he was playing? fine. Football. No, who? I think it was uh, C.B. West. Oh, okay. Right? I think. Okay. Right? Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, if there, we had athletic trainers. We uh, Dr. Crush. At Rothman, um, yeah. I've gone to him plenty. I was saw him like eight months ago from my back a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah the the legit doctors help too, mm-hmm. especially if someone's like concussed. Yeah. They just go, yeah, no, you're not, you're yeah. not, you're not doing yeah. this today. Contact sports, we definitely have physicians on the sidelines to be ready for that football and lacrosse specifically. Yeah, sometimes they'll come to basketball games, but definitely is there. I know when I uh, when I was at in undergrad at Brockport, we had a guy who fractured his femur. Yeah, our running back uh, took out his femur, and this this running back was like huge. He was he was one of the guys where I'd say like you're crazy, like eye black down the face. Like he was one of those ones where you like you you're gonna get hit by him, you're gonna get hurt. So I, if anyone had to have done it, I would have figured it would have been him or one other guy. Dude. But yeah, femur snapped in half. How? And it's one of the hardest bones to break, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that takes a lot. How does that happen? I don't know how he did it. I, I think he went in with his shoulder, and it almost looked like helmet may, may have made contact. I, I, I don't know the specifics. It was on the opposite uh, sideline from me, so I couldn't really see um, very well of it. I don't even – well, because if he breaks out, there's, you have your femoral artery there too. Yeah. So that's even yeah. worse. So immediately, all athletic trainers, my boss, my boss told me, Kayla, stay here. You're in charge of the team. I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I got to go. I'm like, okay. So I am in charge of – how many? A hundred guys. All well, the game's continuing. Okay, they they get him off the field because he's right by the sideline, so they're able to you know get him on a spine board, t- take him off the field. Oh my God. And they're all over there stabilizing the femur, calling an ambulance. Our team physician went over and is you know making sure that the artery he wouldn't cut the artery. He's okay, but Dude, trying to stabilize, trying to splint it. And meanwhile, I'm in charge of everyone on my team and making sure everyone on their team's fine because all of their athletic trainers are helping him too. And this is right before half. So there's you and like 200 dudes. Yeah. I've seen that video before. Shut up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, so. That, so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was right before halftime. So at halftime, everyone's walking back to the locker room and they're loading him in the ambulance and you can see it. Not not the team, the Eagles team. Like he's like not in line. And I was going to say, if you compound fracture your femur, no. dude, that's bad. Yeah. I would just be freaking out about the femoral artery being yeah. there too. And my really? boss. Sent us the X-ray because the their athletic trainer sent it over to us because we asked like, "Is he okay? Like, mm-hmm. how's it going?" He was okay, you know. Okay, was, good, you good. Know, um, put back in place and casted, and he was obviously okay. breathing, but uh, they sent. Oh no, X-ray. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sent us the X-ray. It was actually really, really cool. Was it a clean break? No, uh, no, no. Okay. It was a, uh, it was pretty deep. So. Yeah. Dude, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> After after breaking this, like this is still gonna, this, this angle's gonna be bad forever, dude. I just I. No, I remember when you broke. I don't want to relive it. I'm cool. No, you're good. I just remember. Yeah. Like guys from the team telling me, like we heard it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, really? And they were all like, we didn't know what to do. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Like, how do we help him? I'm like, you can't. You're not allowed to do anything. <sighs> Anyways, yeah. No, dude. I just and that sucks. And 
what's so sad is too, especially with those athletes, these guys, I don't know what it's like. It's like you train all the time. You're up at five. Yeah. You're in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Like no one else is there except you and a couple of guys. Yeah. Then you're going to school, doing what you got to do, leave your classes, and then you're you're lifting. You're going back. You're going to be hitting the field. You're going to be swimming. You're going to be doing something. And it's just, it sucks. This, yeah. Like you, you put so much effort into like this specific thing mm-hmm. you know some a lot of people call it it's, it's it's like burning the boats i don't um i i think it was uh was it the vikings or was it the romans i forget what it was but the term comes is these guys are going to go conquer this land mm-hmm. so their um their leader burnt the boats they go there's no going back oh, yeah. there is no, i don't know i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know what it was the the, the logistics of it but he goes we're not going back yeah Burning the boats. We're not retreating. You we're taking we're this. Taking this. this is how we end. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the guys do that. Like a, a lot of those professionals. Yeah. And even people that I live with that like, dude, like this has to work out for me. They I want this to work. They have a lot of passion for it. Yeah. And they'll just go for it. Yeah. That's after taking this behavioral health class, I have now made it a point to ask every single one of my athletes, doesn't matter how serious the injury is, how are you doing mentally? Yeah. How are you handling this? How are you feeling about it? And I don't care, you know, what your coach says. I don't care what your team says what competition's coming up, how are you feeling about this? Yeah. And it's always a question I ask now, when initially when it happens, when they're when I'm doing the injury eval, how they're doing, and every single day when they come in for rehab, and before I return them to play and clear them to play, do you feel like you can trust XYZ injury, XYZ joint to play and not think about your knee, think about your ankle when you're dodging a defender? When you're going for the goal, are you thinking about your knee or are you thinking about the ball? So I guess my question is, are you worried that they're going to lie to you? Initially I was, but then after building that rapport, like I said, with these athletes and knowing that at my age we can relate to each other, I do think as they got to know me and as I got to you know show them that I support them on the field and I want them to be there, I don't want to pull them out. That's one of the most the biggest misconceptions about athletic trainers is they don't want to come tell us there's an injury because they think we're immediately going to pull them off the field. That's the last thing I want to do. I want to help you stay on the field. And if that means we do rehab two to three times a week, that's great. If that means you stay on the field even at a limited capacity just for a little bit, that's mm-hmm. fine. The last thing I'm going to do is pull off you the field only if I feel like you're going to hurt yourself further or you're in danger of hurting someone else because you can yeah. continue at your full capacity. Yeah, and don't do this the wrong way. And then, and listen, we loved you guys. There's nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, even people that I deal with on like a regular basis, like 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 the one, the one guy docs, like, anything that comes up, I'm, like, I'm not going to say nothing because then if like Jimmy finds out or something, yeah. I'm not lifting them. I'm doing this. Yeah. But you guys, you guys, we we uh, I forget what what we used to call you guys, but um, we would I would never ever talk about an injury. Kate be like, oh man, how are you? I'm great. I'm great today. Yeah. Oh, how how how's your wrist? Honestly, it, it feels great. I was right. I used my left hand one day. So no, dude, it was, it was it was great. It was fantastic. I would just lie to you guys. That's all we would do. I remember, I remember Noah. Noah. Um, he hooked up like his uh his hamstring. He just it was he just tweaked it, but he was he was limping a little bit. And I think I forget who it was. It was Dan or someone. And he's like, how how are you feeling? He goes, I'm great. I'm yeah. great. And he walked back and looked great when he was walking to the sideline. He just over to me and TJ. He goes, dude, oh, stop. Dude, that's funny. You know, yeah. We know. We know. I watched one of our uh, kick return guys, guys on the kick return team. He got smoked. But- <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. but it there's a bad hit. Like, if you look back at it, you would laugh, yeah. There's it's a bad hit. And I was like, he is concussed. And I looked at my boss and I said, he's concussed. 
like, yeah, we'll talk to him when he comes off. He comes over, and he's like, all right, how are you feeling? He's like, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, you sure? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. All right, yeah. Five minutes later, comes back to me. Kayla, I'm not good. I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. Go sit down. I knew. I was waiting for you to come back to me. We could tell. Dude, there's, there's, this, there's this TikTok account. It's like it's like it's like NFL Weekly, but they only do like kickoff like greatest hits. Yeah. Because you have these behemoths. Like you gotta remember, like they're looking like in, in the combine, mm-hmm. can jump the jump the highest, yeah. bench the most, or uh, the amount of reps they can do, um, how fast they are, mm-hmm. and you're now having like 365 pound men run a run a sub five forty, and not like a not like a four. Not, I'm talking like a four eight seven four eight five, yeah. and these guys are running at you from end to end. Yeah. And there, there's there's just something so funny and pure about me, just... Like, I hate this thrill. I hate this part of the game because I know that, like, one of you can get your ass kicked. Like, the kicker is on one foot. The guy diving for it can get kicked in the face. I think I saw that happen. Like, this, this is the worst part of this game. Ever. You ever see you ever see uh, uh, a fair catch, but someone doesn't understand what's happening and they deck the guy? Yeah. Yeah, those are bad. Uh-huh. Those are really bad. I yeah, love I watching those. What this situation was with the guy that was concussed. It was like, yeah. I, I don't remember if he caught it, but I think it was like a something. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. There was a video. It's totally unrelated, but it is kind of related. It was this kid. I think his name was like Jimmy, and he had cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they put him in the game like. We're gonna let we're gonna let little Jimmy or Timmy run the run the ball to the end zone. He's gonna score for the, the Miami Falcons or whatever. And the kid give him the ball. Everyone's like blocking and joking around and cheering. The other team's cheering. And all of a sudden, there's just this guy who's had a like left field, decks the kid, stomps over him, just goes. Oh. And I was like, dude. So whenever anyone gets laid out, I just think of and that was this wasn't real. This was it was it was a skit. Really? Yeah, it was. I hope it was a skit because oh. that's really messed up. Okay. You just deck a kid with cancer. I'm a messed up person. Though. I'm just laughing at this, but I knew it was fake, so it's like. I really hope it was. I hope it was too. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm getting canceled. <laughs> no more big man's cabana. Oh. Stop, bro! <laughs> Stop, dog! No, we're not. We're not reliving that. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, um, would you say that you're really enjoying like your time? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. I, I I remember thinking every day going to class at UConn's campus and I'm walking into Gamble Pavilion. That's literally where my classes are. Okay. It's the basketball capital of the world. Literally the city. Yeah. We have classes in the back room. And I know, right? It's ridiculous. I'm walking to the stadium, I'm thinking like, I'm taking classes with a father of heat illness research on the most important conditions athletic trainers can see. And That's I awesome, think it's gonna dude. be so amazing that wow. I get to sit here and learn from him and his students and everything that they're currently researching, everything they have researched recently that's only just been published and yeah. what feedback are they getting on it, What, how are they using this to help NFL and, um, you know, like they're also working with um, war fighters, so Army, military, and then laborers, so workers in, you know, um, production plants and um, factories and everything because heat illness can happen in any one of those conditions. Interesting. So they're applying all this research to all these really cool um, settings. It's insane. You're good. Yeah. Dude. So I'm I'm really grateful to be able to be there and be learning there, and I'm learning so much, and it's awesome. 
So the father of heat illness. How did I think he be- that accept him? I mean, I bet other people would agree with me, but yeah. So like, you have like a father of psychology, right? Yeah. You have. So is he like the? Is he like the father of heat illness? Like, did he? Did discover he it? discover it? No, oh. no, 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 no. But just any research done to prevent it and treat it that you would find on a He's medical it. journal, his name's likely on it. Got you. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So anything currently being researched and done to improve the field of medicine regarding heat illness, his name is likely on it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's really, really cool, actually, because he'll, he'll get, like, phone calls in the middle of class from people, like, in the NFL. Talking about like when we we had class in the fall, so it was literally every week we had like a short little two minute recap of like the games from that past weekend, and every week he would get like a phone call from the Miami Dolphins, <gasps> talking about how how many cases they had that week because we talked about like the stadium design and like yeah. how the visiting team is on the side of the stadium where the sun is setting during the sun's cold time, uh, eight. So yeah, they kind of have like a that's the home field advantage right there, and. You know, he talks about the cases with the NFL um, oh, out there training PlayStation or out there trainers, um, yeah, PlayStation, and you know what cases happened that week, how they were handled, how the patient's doing now. Like he's running the point on all of that. Oh, so he's him. He's him. He's Timothy Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is really yeah. cool. Yeah. So it has been nice, like learning from him. Do you feel like you've like, yeah. yeah. Yep, I'm really excited for this coming fall. We're doing a class on legal considerations. In um, in athletic training. What do you mean legal considerations? So, if say a case or a patient's case were handled incorrectly, and the patient died, then oh, he's, if it has to oh. do with heat illness, he was called in to be an expert witness and go and look at the field, look at the distance between where the incident occurred and the most like the closest AED, and what each person did or did not do. And his thoughts on those, and he, you know, provides his dispositions. So we're gonna go through and we're gonna like mock trial all of these. It's gonna be really, really interesting. Oh my god, to be like suits. Yeah, totally. And some of them are really aggravating. Some of them, like, there's a guy that wrote a book on how much they hate this man because he came into this town and proved how this high school handled this kid's condition incorrectly, and the kid passed away. And numerous other kids were sent to the hospital because of this coach's, like, conditioning stance that he refused to let anyone rest in. Oh, wow. Books written on how much they hate my professor because he came in and proved that they were all wrong. And this town believes that they all were fine, that no one was at fault. So, yeah, it's like this. I, think, I don't know if you can still buy the book. but it's Ignorance is bliss, dude. It really is. That's wild. It really is. He's you know what's funny, though, is just, like, that change – you're noticing more and more that um, people are starting to accept that that, that, that kind of change. Mm-hmm. I think once that that um, I don't want to say like age, but uh, that's definitely a big thing. Yeah. Or when when these Gen Zs and Gen X or Gen X, no, what's millennials? Millennials? Is Gen X our parents? I think. I think they're Gen X. No, because they weren't born during forty-five. The big boom. Boomers, 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 yeah. Oh. That's why it's called the. So Gen Z is after forty-five, and then we're millennials. Because I know my dad's Gen X. Your dad's Gen X. Gen X. Okay, so he's 
Gen Z. Were Gen Z. And then millennials. Because you were 2099. You were 2000. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and I are Gen Z. Okay. Millennials are 2000. They're right before us. Oh. You and I missed it by like months. Oh, damn. But what I'm saying is like everything is changing with all of us. Yeah. And things like yeah. that. Oh, you change the conditioning. It's worked for years. You're killing kids. Yeah. Oh, you're still the bad person. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to live past 35. I think that's when I'm going to just cap out of this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let this thing skyrocket. We'll see how it does, and then... Retire at 35? Yeah. Yeah. Retire. Yeah. Anyways, um, but... Be like Mark. Just come in and get us drinks and uh, chat every day. <laughs> just move on to the golf course and just chill. <laughs> you would totally do that. No, no. Yes, I'd be like Kirk. Oh my god. That's who I'd be. I'd be like Kirk. Yo, what's up, guys? And <laughs> we'd just get blasted. He's so funny. He brought in like a stack of glasses. And he's sitting in in front of the sink right there. And he goes, hey. I'm like, hi. He goes, I just want to say hi. <laughs> he calls me Beetlejuice because of my chef pants. They're pretty funny. Oh, you don't like them? I, I was honestly surprised to see you wearing them. I was like, it's an interesting fashion, interesting fashion choice. Actually. You know what? I think you're just jealous. I really am. Listen, I, really I know. Am. Listen, it's fine. You can admit it. We now have it on, on video. How do you feel? There. So, what? <laughs> you take that back. No. You take that back. Never. They're not ugly. You they're can wear a, any other pants. They're a fashion statement. Any other pants. Fashion statement. As long as they cover your legs, it's fine. Fashion statement. Again. Oh, what do you mean? Alright. Has happened. You know I can tell when you burn yourself, right? Oh. If I'm out on the patio and I hear you scream fuck, I know. <laughs> I know how it sounds when you've hurt yourself or when you've done something stupid. I know this is completely off topic of like the main topic, but one time Rob and Rob was there. He had a tasting, like a tasting. Like that's where a lot, a lot of money comes from. Okay. At these weddings. And he pulls something out of the oven and it was hot. And he yells tuna because <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to curse. So he grabs it and he goes, <laughs> and Jean, she's like, okay, guys, I'll be right back. I'm going to go check on the other scores. She goes, what was that? We're not serving tuna. And he looks in his hands like burnt. She's like, what happened? It was really hot. <laughs> There's like a <laughs> We're not. Dude, Molly knocked his hand into the fryer. I miss him, dude. I miss him so much. Anyways, <laughs> so with all of that, I guess that we can use it as like a segue. You work hard all year round. Like I know, like when we were talking, basically talking back and forth, just seeing when you were coming back. Yeah. Um, and you were you were still there. So now you get done working that, doing school, yep. being big girl, and now you're doing another big girl thing. You're working. Yeah. So what is that like? How was that transition back into like working? Dealing with drunks. I mean, not drunks. Great customers. You guys are amazing. It was a little bit of a, a little bit of struggle. Normally, I got it down to a, a science now that I'm, I've been coming home for about three years now. 
Um, the first day is normally where I get all of my wrinkles out. I learn where we've moved stuff because literally every year I've come home, they've changed the patio layout and the kitchen layout. There used to be a tent, dude. I know. No, I was going to say. And, you know, when it rains, we used to use the tent. But now when it rains, we used to run everything inside. Anyway. Um, you know what they say? When it rains, it pours, you know? Yes, it does. But I normally know, like, the night after my first shift, my legs hurt so bad because I'm not used to running around on concrete for that long. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm, I'm crawling up to my garage and up the stairs. I sit in the shower. And I crawl back out and I go to bed. Dude, there's some nights. I, I literally, the night after the Welcome to Summer Party, the morning after, sorry. That was not your first shift back? It was my second shift back. Oh, so That's why it hurt so much. God, I literally, I'm not kidding you, I fell out of bed the next morning. Brandon looks at me and he goes, are you okay? I'm like, no, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, you have to run around. No, my legs hit the ground in the morning and they did not work. I lo- like, oh my God. I love when people aren't used to that kind of hustle and bustle. And then they're like, they're running around. They go, I'm like, you gotta go sit down. And next thing you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night, and you're like, where's everyone? Oh, shit, we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a, a nice transition, because I know that, like, I'm around people that I like to be around. Nice, yeah. And it's, you know, working here has been really fun, and I've made a lot of good relationships and friendships here, so I know it's like, kind of like a hug coming home. I know. I know. Trust me, it's like... Well, we actually brought you here, because we want you to go back. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point of this. We want we're gonna we're sending you back. We actually got really sick of you. Ah oh, damn. So um your bags are already packed They're in the car. So right. whenever you're ready. See ya. Oh, bye now. Just gonna leave. No. I'm gonna say goodbye. Oh, no. rough topic. Brian Anyways, Brian was texting me too when I was still at finishing up um stuff at UConn. He was like, "When you come back, text." Oh, I was gonna kill me service, dude. Oh my gosh. I know. I kept seeing the group chat. Like the managers kept saying, "Like, okay, this doesn't go here. Reminder: this gets thrown out." Reminder, this gets thrown out. I'm like, how many times does he have to say for them to listen? It is not it's not that hard. No, it's not. It's not that hard. But hey. Yeah. But yeah, I'm happy to be back. I know that, like, I'm also working on my thesis while I'm home. Um, okay, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing my data collection. So um, it's been a balance of, like, getting work done in the morning and then going to work in the afternoon. And it kind of mirrors what I was doing at UConn. I was doing schoolwork in the morning, and I was working on, like, papers and projects. Gotcha. And then going to my GA as an athletic trainer and going starting practices and stuff. And I've definitely seen that, like, having two distinct places to have work to do is helping me. Sure. Because, you know, you're able to put so much of yourself into the first part of it. And then when you definitely need a break and you're like, oh, my God, like, I have so much to do. And then you know you have somewhere to be at a certain time and you have to go and you have to, like, switch gears. Mm-hmm. It's honestly kind of refreshing. Like, yeah. I've, I've really, at some points, like, dreaded going where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I have so many, you know, so much work to do on the paper. You sound like Jason. Hmm? You sound like Jason. Do I? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that kid, I, I'm, I'm really rooting for this kid. Me too. I know he's going to make it, but, like, I'm really trying to talk him off a ledge. And keep him like level headed right now because I know he stresses out. I'm like, yeah, okay. dude, all the time I tell everyone, I'm like, dude, he's the kid. The kid's a fucking genius. He really is. He really is a fucking genius. And like, I think he caught me saying that to Gordon the one day. He goes, I'm not. I'm like, Jason, shut the fuck up. He goes, you always just hype me up, man. I don't deserve it. I'm like, Jason. Yes, you do. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> but yeah, dude, that kid. He's one of the hardest working kids I know. I know, but that's one of the reasons why I get to have a lot of uh, respect for a lot of you guys. Yeah. Getting to see, like, I remember when he was when he was studying for like zoology, like that was the readout course, mm-hmm. and I'm like, 
Yeah. He took zoology as a PT student? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he took zoology. Uh, he said that was his readout course. Okay. Pretty sure it was zoology. If I'm wrong, then that's really embarrassing. Yeah, it is. He'll look back at this, and then what I'll do is I'll put it in the comments section, or I'll put it in be like, I was wrong. But, like, just a, an in-between stance. Because I remember, like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was zoology, because that's... I'm uh, be right. Because sure. that's when I learned what endothermic, that, that birds are endothermic, that they can actually blow up. Okay. Yeah, because he was sitting there studying one night, and um, I love this tangent, because this is obviously the main focus of the podcast. Totally. Um... Like three in the morning, I was just up, right? And he was studying, and I watched him take free workout. I'm like, dude, the free workout at three a.m. Oh my god, yeah, he lived on that shit, dude. No, so um, remember when I would do that? I wouldn't take free workout. Remember when I was on my like energy drink era? <sighs> Literally every single day. It was like every watching. Day. It was like watching a ping pong ball <laughs> off of like a wooded platform. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, if I were to throw it into the rafters, it would just, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was, like, the unhinged time where, like, we all were all doing, like, twice as much work as we probably should have been doing. Yeah. Like, you were definitely doing twice as much work as you should have been doing. I think I was working doubles. Like, mm-hmm. it helped the it helped the shift of my passion, to be honest. I felt like I was, I was a lot more angry, though, too, at the end. Yeah, you were. I was very, yeah, I mean, I'm still angry. It's a it's, dent in the table still there. Yeah, yeah. There's more. <laughs> I remember, I forget who it was. Was it, um... Mr. Leftfield's asking the test. Dude. I forget what it was, but something came in, and, the, like, the entire ticket was wrong. Oh, really? And they were all cheesesteaks, so it's the, you're just going to bang them out real quick, right? Yeah. Five-minute ticket. I'm holding the last one in my hand. So they're supposed to... Ah, uh, bro, I fucking launched it. I turned around, and I I, I heard... I remember, I, I my thinky still kind of hurts. I punched the prep table uh-huh. so hard, so hard. I'm surprised nothing fell off of it. And like right in, right, right in the one corner is like a little like a uh, nasty dent. I see. You should sign that. Should whenever, I? Whenever you, whenever you make your hasty exit from uh yeah, from I'll, I'll, I'll chisel it in. You go sign that table. Yeah. God. Yeah. Back to the topic though. Um. Yeah. These two different two different focuses. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that, like, we really need to have a focus on, like, the social relationships and social interactions yeah. with people that bring us peace and, like, joy. Because I know yeah. that sounds, like, really Hallmark Hardy. No, like, but there's a lot of truth to that. There really is. I've definitely noticed it, and I've read research about it before I've noticed it. Yeah, people don't want to be around, like, if... if, if why would you want to be in a place that no one yeah. that you don't like anyone? No, but it's just like people that you are around that make your day better. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed even at like college when I'm, you know, like I said, like I have a million things to do. I have to make edits to this paper. I have to submit this assignment. I got to, you know, do preliminary research for this thing before class next week. And I got a million things on my mind. I don't, I'm just dreading going to work. Like I don't have, you know, the mental space for it. I'm like, I need to get this work done. I have to be there at this time. Yeah. And I get there and I start filling coolers. And I have my athletes who I've built this rapport with. And I think that's one of the best things about the profession is that these kids really do appreciate and notice what we're doing, at least at this school that I'm at. And I love it. And they all come in and they all have their ways they say hi to me. Like the kids that give me high fives, the kids that give me fist bumps, the ones that come in and say, hey, remember that uh, that shoulder pain I told you about? <laughs> yeah. And I just noticed that, like, you know, even if I showed up that day stressed out, I didn't want to be there, just 
after seeing these athletes and checking in with them, they're starting better. practice, and yeah, and they're like all in a good mood. It's like contagious. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, like this is what I needed. I didn't you know I needed it, but I needed a break from staring at my laptop and being stressed about all this stuff. It's still gonna be there when you're done. Yeah. But at least it took an un a non a break you didn't know you needed, and it's great. And I've like noticed that. it with work here too. Really? Like, yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Even if <laughs> even if it's a day where like I had to read three articles and pull out notes from them for preliminary research and or like I had some sort of you know mishap with my data collection I was really stressed out about it and I was like the last thing I want to do is go to work right now like screw this like I don't want to go in whatever whatever I didn't even know who I was working with um, but I get there and just like the way I walk in the kitchen and people in there like the, the way you guys say hi to me is like it just makes me feel so much better no matter what the fuck I'm is going to ruin on. your next day I'm going to make you regret saying that to me even if, like no you know I appreciate you even if I know like you're joking with me or, like the way Molly says hi or like anything Jordan what's up Kayla Kayla <laughs> bartender it's like yeah I mean it's just just knowing that you have people there that feel like a family feel like you can lean on them and support yeah. Um, them and they'll support you back, even if like typically we all get our shit rocked and <laughs> we're all Most so days. pissed off. At least one of you will make a joke about something at the end of the night, and we can all laugh about it. Even if we're tired as fuck, we want to go home. Someone knocked wings off the <laughs> off the top of the thing onto the clean floor, <laughs> and we had to re-clean it. Dude, I'm getting it. <laughs> dude, there. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, one of us will make a joke, and it'll be, like, it's totally fine. Because you know that those people, those yeah. interactions are what builds your day back up. Yeah. And it's something that, like, I, I did do research on this, and I saw that, like, social interactions are negatively associated with mental distress and certain mental conditions like depression, anxiety. Yeah. Like, it, it literally does protect you from symptoms of depression anxiety Interesting. spending yeah. time with people oh and yeah it's like you hang with your friends you're, you're feeling down you go hang with them let them boost you back up yeah mm-hmm. yeah like it, it seems like it's the kind of thing it's like on a little kitty poster on the wall but it really does work yeah when you think about it so yeah i mean i don't i don't think humans were meant to be alone no and like well you, species what is it? yes well there there is this whole thing where like um look at like these uh these kidnapping cases or whatever it is or they 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 hide their daughter in a room till they're like 15 16 then the police come and they're like they're completely animalistic they had no social interaction with humans what was her name that was a specific case mm, i don't i don't i don't remember but she was I, like nine years old when she was found yeah. right and um yeah dude people people need to be around people yeah but um we did uh so far an hour and two minutes oh damn i didn't realize yeah <laughs> an hour and two minutes well, I mean, after the beginning edit, we'll get cut oh, out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, we'll, uh, as Gavin said last night, let's, uh, let's uh, call this queued up and wrap it up. I'm good. Oh, no. I'm turning into Gavin. <laughs> um, I love that, man. Um, but, yeah, guys. So, CLSK, okay, the connoisseur of literally everything that she does. So, you guys can find her on, do you want them to know their, your social or? Yeah, I'll put my Instagram. Okay. So, um. You can go ahead and say it, and it'll pop up live with It'll you. be Kayla SPF. And if you're looking for her Finsta. No. It's. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Oh, I've been posting on that in a long time. Oh, 
going to send people to you. I hate you. Oh, man. Um, and then uh, do you have an email, like a professional email, if anyone wants to reach out? <laughs>